This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 169. Nice. nice. Submission Ot 40. Misfits of Science. Misfits of Science aired on NBC from October 4th, 1985 to May 16th, 1986 for a total of 16 episodes. Oh, hold up. Do we want to play the Misfits of Science theme? Yes. Okay, hold on. Yes, well, we not the pilot version because... Not the pilot, the, not the pilot version, the real version. The no, real no, no, version because no, no, no. the, the, the real version would get us a copyright violation on no, YouTube. No, I played the real version on no, YouTube. I, oh, no, I mean, I screwed that the up. The pilot version <laughs> will get us a, a strike, yes. Yes, because it's Thomas Dolby. She blinded me of science. Okay, we're doing it live again. We're playing the theme for you right here. And I'll tell you right now, it slaps. Those misfits, misfits of science, ha, ha. Those wild and crazy scientific Oh, it's not working. Yeah, I'll kick it. Can't tell me you don't feel that. Yeah. You gotta admit, that is the best ending to the theme song ever. Yes. I love calling a bop theme song a bop, but I think we have to graduate to another level. This is just another level of theme song. This it theme is. Song, this theme song slaps. It slaps. Okay, so about that title sequence, Greg. Okay. Donald Todd, who is the head writer and story editor of the show... He actually has a uh, quote about this. Okay. From Truth by Consensus Wikipedia here. The main titles are fun. It's still kind of, it's really forward-looking. Jim Parrott was forward-looking in many ways, and we thought a lot about that. But it starts out with Bobby Short doing the theme. And then there's the kicking over the, the TV and into the more contemporary version of the theme. He was trying to say, we're not doing that show. We're doing this show. And it's more hip. And I remember the people at Universal going, why don't you do it without the TV? We don't like the TV. And I don't think they gave them the budget for it. I think we had to find it ourselves. It's a really cheap thing. Just a guy playing piano and then a foot kicking over the TV. But it was really controversial because that back then, nobody did anything interesting with the main titles. You just showed the characters sliding in the frame. 
But I remember that was pretty cool. And Jim wrote it. Yeah, and it's very ahead of its time title sequence. In fact, this show is kind of meta because they usually have, like, usually at the end of the episode, we'll have, like, the executive producer thing at the bottom. And then they'll have a little, like, mini scene after the executive producer credit at the end of the episode. It's kind of like in the movies today how you have, like, a mid-scene before the credits. And sometimes in the middle of the credits. Yeah. You could say this was ahead of its time in some ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. But for a TV show. Oh, yeah, of course. This is the sort of thing that you do today. Perhaps I've already done uh, Disney Plus MCU. I'm looking at you. Yeah. By the way, as we're recording this, Loki is next week. Nice. Yes. As you hear an ice cream theme, you may or may not be hearing an ice cream theme behind me, which is fitting... Yes. For this episode. Yes, it is. The, I mean, there have been superhumans going from town to town, championing the power of love and justice before the 80s. And there have been superhumans going from town to town, championing the power of love and justice since. But not many people do it in an ice cream truck. No. How many superhero teams do you see fighting villains in an ice cream truck. I can't think of any. See? <laughs> Even the ice cream truck guy agrees. Okay, but this show, Chico, this is a beloved show. In fact, Andy Afferton at Place to Be Nation Pop told me that this was an episode that he was looking forward to when I told him we were doing this episode. And so Andy, is, I think you got a text saying we knew this day would come. We knew this day would come. So Andy, you're gonna love this episode. Yeah, trust me. You're you're welcome, Andy. Yeah. By the way, place to be nation. Give him a listen. Yes. You're darn right. All right. So what is Misfits of Science about? Because we already said it's a superhero fantasy science fiction series. Yes. Superhero fantasy science fiction series. And that's all you really need to know. Because it was the 80s, and Brandon Tartikoff will try anything. Just about, yeah. And part of what happened with this show is like, we had this idea, everybody had this idea, but Brandon Tartikoff, he went out of his way to make this the most memorable sort of turn your TV on and your brain off show that he could put on a Friday night. And you know what he did in October of 1985? He put it on a Friday night. The same night as Miami Vice. Yep. So they tried. Lord help them, they tried. So, what is the, uh, I mean, we already talked about what the basic premise of the show is. Superheroes saving the day from an ice cream truck. Yeah. And and it was created by a guy who is known for many, many entries. Well, at least three on our master list here. James D. Perriott. Oh, yes. Because we'll be talking about another show he did later this year. Later this summer, actually. Oh, yeah. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of entries on this list that he's done in the past. Oh, my God. 
He did. Oh my god, I forgot. They made a TV show based on From Here to Eternity. Oh god, they did? Yeah, and, and Willem Devine and Kim Basinger and Don Johnson were on it. Yeah, that goes on the list. And Barbara Hershey? Wow! What the wedding? What, Greg? Hey, we're talking about Miami Vice. Man, Don Johnson had to do some bad stuff before he landed Miami Vice. Oh my god. True. So, we have James Parrott creating a show about superheroes. Now, they don't really go over how they got their powers. They thought they were just going to sell the show on the premise itself. And, well, it worked. Kinda. They got the thing on the air. Unfortunately, they canceled it but before they could air what would ultimately be the final episode. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. They did ultimately air the final episode. But... Oh, thankfully. Yeah, let's get some closure up in here. Come on. Yeah, we got some closure. Unlike what oh, GSN and Buzzer have done for Mike with Beat the Clock 79. Sorry. You, you can't see it. I, I had a little tear run down my eye. We'll have closure one day. Are we gonna have- hey, oh, I'm on. still waiting for closure on the original Pressure Luck, Mike. You get closure. It's called Elizabeth Banks. Thank you. I know that, but I still want closure on my Pressure Luck. Fine. <laughs> Okay, so, the misfits of science. Who are they, and what do they do? Yeah, what do these misfits of science do? I'm glad you asked. Let's go over them, shall we? First, we have the leader, Dr. Billy Hayes. He's a research scientist with the Humanidine Institute. And he is the leader of the Human Investigation Team, which researches what we would now call metahumans, but in show they called it human anomalies. And he he has no powers in and of himself, except for the power to through his charm and wit, get the team out of as many scrapes as he manages to get them into. Hey, it's a power. I should. He's played by Dean Paul Martin, who is known mostly for, A, being one-third of Dino, Desi, and Billy, with Desi Arnaz Jr. and Billy Hinch. Oh my god! Do you think Dean Paul Martin's ever been to Zippers? Oh! I know Billy Hinch has! Mike, what do you think? Do you think he's ever been to Zippers? It is not my duty to disrespect the dead. I'm just saying that. He's been to Zippers once or twice. (laughs) And B, being the son of Dean Martin. He was also captain in the California Air National Guard who died during a training mission in 1987. True story. Very sad. Yeah, that's why I said uh, I didn't want to disrespect the dead. Yeah, he, he, he died at a very young age, 35. His best friend and colleague at the Institute is Dr. Elvin L. Lincoln. And L uses hormonal treatments. I should probably preface this by saying he's tall. Uh, He used experimental hormonal treatments in an attempt to shrink himself from a towering seven foot four inches to a more reasonable size. 
So he shot himself up with these hormones until the hormones got to know each other, but they got to know each other too well because now with the pinch of his neck, he literally reduces himself to an eighth of his size from seven foot four to just short of 11 inches. And he likes to joke that uh, he keeps a tiny size change of clothes just to be on the safe side. Yeah. And also, despite being very tall, he is not good at basketball. Nor is he good with the ladies. No. In fact, in the pilot episode, there's a moment where it would be very worthy of Shaq in a fool. He tries to shoot a free throw and he fails. Did he get free throw lessons from Russell Westbrook? (laughs) No, he got a free throw lessons from Dwight Howard. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he's played by the truly seven foot four inch tall Kevin Peter Hall, who is best known for being the titular Harry in Harry and the Hendersons and the titular Predator in Predator. Yes. Unfortunately, no longer with us, but you know what? Harry and the Hendersons and the Predator. What more do you need? He also uh, guested as a mental hospital patient on Night Court. Oh, yeah. There's your Night Court reference. The, there, there's a Night Court reference, but also just listen to this. He played a, a mental patient. And remember, he's like 7'3", seven, 7'2". Seven, and uh, in the same scene was Richard Maul, who you need to remember is like six foot eight. And the other mental patient was James Cromwell. You remember oh! from Babe? Oh! Yeah. And, he's a, and he's the short one at six foot seven. <laughs> hey. That'll do, pig. We'll talk That'll... about James Cromwell eventually in future installment, Hotel Baltimore. Or Hot L Baltimore. Hot L Baltimore, because that's the joke, because yeah. the E's burned out. Yeah, the E's burned out. The third misfit is... Johnny B, John Bukowski, a rock star who is electrocuted on stage and now has the power to draw all types of electricity, including static electricity, toward himself and discharge them at will. He always has to wear sunglasses because when he's fully charged, his eyes start to glow. And as a bonus, he can also run really, really, really fast. But he can't do anything with water because... Water and electricity. Think about it. Don't think too hard. He was played by Mark Thomas Miller, who nowadays, aside from writing, is actually a product engineer in Los Angeles. But he spent the 80s and 90s as a perennial that guy from that thing. The fourth misfit is Gloria Danalo, a teenager who spends her time in and out of Juby thanks to the efforts of her probation officer. More on her later. She has the power of visual telekinesis, meaning that she can move things with her mind so long as she can see them. If she closes her eyes or is blindfolded, she is effectively rendered powerless. Glory is played by famed music video dancer Courtney Cox. And if you don't know who Courtney Cox is, what podcast are you even listening to? Oh yeah, because everyone knows her as the girl in the Dancing in the Dark music video. Right, guys? Absolutely. Yeah, no joke. That's exactly where I remember her from. She's a... Well, to say she's a known entity would do a disservice to the the idea of known entities. Hey, 
She married a future WCW World Heavyweight Champion, guys. Yeah. And recently, I heard she got her friends back together. Oh, yeah, she did. Oh, by the way, speaking of David Arquette, Mike, I showed you the picture from the Celebrity Family Feud spot of David Arquette holding, like, that modified WCW title belt. Right, yeah. Yeah, that was great. I'm so glad that David's kept that belt for, like, 20-something years. Well, he's going to have to give it to Rob Lowe on Sunday, I guess. I don't know. I don't know who's going to win that one. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for Celebrity Feud on Sunday. That's going to be Rob Lowe versus Terrence Howard. Oh, going to be terrific. Nice. Shout out to Wes Lillman, by the way. He's a big Rob Lowe fan, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, Next, we have Arnold Beefnighter, a.k.a. Beef, a.k.a. Iceman, a.k.a. The Man in the Suit, who has the power to freeze anything that he can touch. And he gains this power from placing himself into cryogenic stasis 50 years before the start of the series, whilst in mourning over the loss of his loved one, Amelia Earhart. And I did the research, and the story checks out. Yes. But this character only appears in the pilot, though. Yes. Apparently he dies between the pilot and the main series, because he only is kept in the pilot. Or maybe it has something to to do with the fact that a similarly named character from Marvel Comics just so happens to show his face. So basically, he disappeared with Spence's wife from Thunder in Paradise. Yes. Well, and and Chuck Cunningham, too. Yep. And Judy Winslow. But the crew does keep the ice cream truck. That was actually a practical, useful tool in the pilot for keeping beef cold. Because if he got too warm, he'll die. And we haven't mentioned who portrays Iceman. Mm-hmm. It's somebody we mentioned not that long ago. Mickey Jones. He was mentioned in the Ace Crawford Private Eye episode. And I mentioned a couple of places we've seen him in the past. One was as Parley Wayne Rockefeller on Married with Children. The Spring Break episode. Hey, that's, I think, the second week in a row we've mentioned the Spring Break episode of, of Married with Children. That's a pretty uh, good yep. record there, Greg. Second Indeed. straight episode with a, a Spring Break uh, Married with Children reference. But also, uh, Mickey Jones played the gun dealer on an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. was that in the uh, Gun Fever episode? That was the Gun Fever episode. Yeah, he, he was the... Uh, the, the gun store owner uh, who, who refused to sell to um, to Dee and, and Dennis. Oh, what a classic episode. Gun fever. Yes. Definitely a known entity. Unfortunately, no longer with us. Oh. Yes, I was just about to say. Cool. And then we have the sixth misfit, Jane Miller, who has no powers of her own, much like Billy. I guess that's why the two of them share a bit of a fondness for each other. But she is wrapped up in all of this because she is Gloria's probation officer. So, yeah. Well, she... well, if Courtney Cox didn't get on stage and dance with Bruce Springsteen, she wouldn't need a probation officer. Oh, yeah. Right. Not much else is known aside from the fact that she and Billy kind of sort of have a thing. 
because she was written out early in the run as well. Now, Jane was actually played by Jennifer Holmes, who's best known for being the in the first season of Newhart as the heiress Leslie, who takes a job at the B&B as a maid to find out what it's like to be average. Yeah, she didn't last all that long. No, they replaced her with her cousin Stephanie, who, as you know, was played by Julia Duffy. Yep, ended up marrying Peter Scolari. But none of this makes any bit of difference because it was all a dream. Yeah, it was. It it was a good move all around. Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. Stephanie and and Peter Scolari. Oh, what a couple. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you know what? And also, you combine it with Tom Poston. What? What? I I started with somebody on on Misfits of Science? Huh? Huh? No, somebody get that guy out of here. Oh, my God. And not an official member of the Misfits is Dick Stetmeyer who is the director of the Humanidian Institute, the major domo of the Institute's human investigation team, and the de facto handler of the Misfits. He's played by Max Wright, who you best know as the uptight guy from Elf, the uptight guy from Buffalo Bill, and the uptight guy from The Norm Show, although he did manage a career turnabout in 1993's Dudley, future entry, where he played... The other uptight guy. The other uptight guy. Because Dudley Moore had top billing, you see. Oh, okay. But I gotta say, the opening sequence in Misfits of Science at the end with his character is probably like my favorite outro of a a theme song ever. Mr. Exasperation giving an exasperated face. An exasperated face. May I add a hypothetical before we move on? Yeah. If this lasted more than a year, Max Wright can't play Willie Tanner. No, he can't. That would ruin that series, seriously. I love Alf, but Willie Tanner is the best. Oh, yeah, Will- Max Wright made that series. I don't care what Paul Fisco says. He made that show like Tony Shalhoub made Wings. Hey, Greg, how much do you like Wings? I really love Wings. Did you know is I love Wings, Mike? It is I true. Gonna, I was going to say, Alf made Max Wright's career. But no, just think about it. If this actually lasted more than a year, he couldn't play Willie Tanner, and all of television history is thrown off course because of it. Yeah. Yeah, you really. It's like, if he didn't play Willie Tanner, you wouldn't have Alf, you wouldn't have Alf Tales, you wouldn't have Alf the Animated Series, you wouldn't have Project Alf, you wouldn't have Alf's Wacky Fun Talk Show Party, and you wouldn't have the 1 800. No, the 1010 220 ads. Wouldn't have Hulk Hogan. And there's like two or three entries just right there. And what is the point of all of these people working together to stay alive long enough for humanity to get the most bang for their research buck while, you know, occasionally saving the day? Right? Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Something like that. So what sort of dangers are we talking about here? Are we talking criminals, 'er ne'er-do-wells, corrupt politicians, robots, aliens, mutant dogs? Throw me a bone here. Helping old ladies across the street? 
helping old ladies. Not, not really. No, not really. I just wanted to help you out. Oh, good looking at me. Well, I think there's one way we can figure out what their MO was. I think we need to look at the episodes. Let's look at the episodes. Okay, episode one, Deep Freeze. Doctors Hayes and Lincoln are researchers in biological oddities for the Humanitine Company. When they find a man still alive after being frozen for 50 years, their greedy boss fires them and takes the Iceman for use for military experiments. Does this look like anything? Left without jobs, Hayes and Lincoln decide to get a group of freaks, including a telekinetic 17-year-old and a rock guitarist who shoots lightning from his hands, together to rescue the Iceman and stop their boss's reckless experiments. And I'll tell you right now, a couple of known entities are actually in this pilot. They are Edward Winter... And Larry Linville. Edward Winter, of course, would be Samuel Flagg and MASH. And Larry Linville would be Major Frank Burns, also from MASH. Yes, indeed. Major Frank Burns oh, there's from more. MASH. There's oh, more? there's more than just there's that. More? There's more? Oh, there, there's more, I yes. Got, Tell I, me you have I, some more, I think, sir. I think you're going where I'm going right here. I think we're going in the same place, yes. I also think we're going in the same place. Yes. We have several known entities here. Oh, um, yes, we, 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 have, we have a couple of is, known this entities. Is, this was a 90-minute pilot. 90 minutes. This we, was a TV movie We have all these pilot. people here. Uh, we have, as Gomez, you have Bert Rosario, who would be in future entry Sword of Justice. You have Casey Winkler who you would know as one of the Dice Ladies in the 87-88 version of High Rollers, and playing the role of Strickland's secretary. Oh, yes! Edward yeah, this, Winter this is the... with Dr. James Strickland. Yeah. Playing his secretary. Greg, oh, this this is where Greg and I were looking, I think. Leslie Easterbrook. Shucky ducky. Oh, but I know her best as Sergeant Callahan from Police Academy. Uh, I think we all know her. That, that, that's best. who we, uh, yeah, that's exactly what, what my answer is. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, and then, and Kenneth Mars from The Little Mermaids plays a senator. Oh, yeah. Kenneth Mars. Boy, that was, that was loaded with good guest stars. It was. And this was just the pilot. This is just the pilot. Imagine what the rest of the series is going to be like. Oh, yes. Well, we got one known. Oh, yeah. We got one known entity in the next episode, but let's go ahead. Yes, it is called. Are you ready for this? And I'll tell you right now. Yes, this show is full of groaner titles. Your place or Mayan? Good heavens! <laughs> I told you this was full of groaners. After a friend of Billy and L is killed, they go on a search for a lost Mayan treasure with the map they were given by him. Their discovery could very well rewrite Mayan history. Okay. But, Chico, you ready for this? Playing Uh the role of Angel. Okay, you ready for this? Uh Uh-huh. Dean Devlin! As in from the mind of Roland Emmerich and... Dean Devlin? Yes. Independence Day, Stargate, Stargate SG-1. The Godzilla reboot that sucked? Yeah. That too, but still, 
I mean, come on. Oh, and by the way, Stargate, it had a pinball machine. Yeah, that's that's for, uh, that's for the next episode, but still. Yeah. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, was he the guy who died or no? No, he wasn't the guy who No, died. it was an old guy who died. Nicholas Hartman was the guy who died. Oh. Episode three. Uh, Mike, are you ready for some more groaning? Bring it on. Guess what's coming to dinner? <laughs> okay, that was slightly better. Slightly? Oh, just, just a little bit? Okay. It was, it was, no, your place or mine, that was horrible. <laughs> oh, it gets, this it this is worse. great in comparison. It gets much worse, Mike. Oh, I know it does. <laughs> oh, I got a guest star in this episode. Okay. I, I think we both have a guest star, but uh, let's I, get to the, the capsule yeah. first. Oh, yeah. Let's get okay. To- uh, all right. Harry, a genius bottle washer at Humanidine, who is played by James Sloyan. Yes! <laughs> who we remember from oh madeline and that week of match game hollywood squares hey there's your match game hollywood squares and, reference and, for this episode and, and the episode of star trek game space nine where he played the adult version of brian bonsall's character yep i remember that episode anyway he plays harry a genius bottle washer at humanitine who cobbles together a transmitter from company discards Remember, he's a genius, so he can do that. And he uses it to make contact with aliens. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. 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 But then again, maybe not? He thinks he's contacted aliens. It's not really aliens, though. No. Nope. And it's a little bit more sinister than that, and problems begin to arise when the authorities try to prevent him from continuing his contact. Oh. It's always those authorities, isn't it? Oh, dang it. Don't trust the government. No. What is it with Max Wright being on shows where aliens are being hunted by the government? Could you imagine if Alf made a cameo in this episode? Oh, Jesus. Willie, we don't premiere for another year. What am I doing here? (sighs) Okay, and another name is actually on this episode. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Playing the role of Judy is Janice Kent. That would be uh, Mary Alice. Is it Mary Alice? Uh, Wally's wife on the new Leave It to Beaver. Yeah, Janice Kent, the lady who plays uh, Wally's wife on the new Leave It to Beaver. Oh, okay. Episode four, Lost Link. A primitive in a loincloth who's never left his homeland has mysteriously come ashore on Venice Beach, and nobody knows who he is. Hmm. But the thing of it is, He's there to reach a space shuttle. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know how he got from one side of the ocean to the other, but he knows he has to reach a space shuttle. In fact, people think he's a caveman, but it turns out that the man, who they call Link, is in fact an aborigine from a lost tribe in New Guinea, and the misfits have to help him to set free the soul of his deceased child by placing it, or a small totem of it, aboard a space shuttle. 
It's wild. What can I say? Jesse Dyson plays the role of Link. He was a that guy from that thing, but yeah, he was actually in the role of Ramon Gallardo on Operation Petticoat. So there's something to look forward to. Cool. Well, there's one other name that I noticed, and he just played a generic title, Man. And his name is Branscombe Richmond. And his name may sound familiar. There's two things. One is semi-recent. The show's still on the air. Chicago Med. He played a character uh, named Keone, who appeared apparently on five episodes between 2016 and 2019. But where you might know him better, I think, is from Renegade, going back 30 years at this point, almost 25 years. He played... Bobby Fourkiller. Oh, so he was with Lorenzo Lamas. But wait, not just that. He also played Bobby Sixkiller. So apparently sometime during the series, he killed two more people. Oh, okay. Oh, he killed, nice. He upgraded. Yeah, of he, he did. Yeah, he, he didn't never change his name to Bobby Eightkiller. So I'm guessing he got caught or something. I don't know. Or he got or he, Lorenzo Lamas killed him. Okay, uh, that, but before Lorenzo Lamas appeared on uh, Joe Schmo, uh, the full bounty. You're darn right, yes. Yeah, by the way, that's one for uh, later. Later. And, and, and interestingly enough, this is one of the episodes. Now, there will be uh, more episodes when Jennifer Holmes is actually in the episode, but Jennifer Holmes was not in this episode. Okay. It's like I, I was thinking, did she get written up in this episode or did they just air it out of sequence? But no, Jennifer Holmes is actually back in the next episode. Chico, I have an answer for you. You have an answer for me. Shoot. I, I do. Looking at the production codes, the uh, not counting the pilot, the second episode was appears to be the third episode that was recorded. The third episode was the second recorded. Lost Link was the sixth. So maybe she's gone by the sixth show produced and we're going to see her possibly in the next episode. Possibly. We'll see. We'll see if that theory works out. We shall. So like I said, Jennifer Holmes returns for the next episode, which is called Sort of Looking for Gina. Johnny is fascinated by a woman he's met, Gina. But whenever he meets her, she disappears when he's not looking. At the same time, some of the misfits believe to have seen a monster in the sewer system. So all of them go down again to investigate. They discover a young boy who's become unconscious due to supposedly bad air. Also at the same time, a party is being planned for the opening of an exhibition of valuable relics from the Titanic at the museum. Because remember, this is 1985 and the Titanic has just been discovered. Yep. Did they find David Warner's body? No, David Warner lived at the end of the episode. Oh, I forgot. Sorry about that. They'd be finding Dr. Richard Kimball's body. Ah, I'm sorry, Chico. Your little gaff made Susan St. James react. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Anyway, it turns out that Gina is working together with a group of criminals who are planning on placing a bomb in the sewer just below the museum in order to steal the valuable pieces. 
The criminals had been using methane gas in the sewer in order to keep the air unbreathable and thus keep anyone away from spoiling their plan. The misfits managed to keep the museum from being destroyed by the bomb at the last minute. So, we were sort of kind of looking for Gina, which in this particular episode would be sort of kind of looking for a lady by the name of Rhonda Aldrich, who is known for playing uh, recently Yvonne in a show called Sequestered. That name sounds vaguely familiar. But she also plays a recurring character named Madeline on Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, yeah. Which also has a pinball machine. Yes, it does. But, Mike, she did appear in a 1989 episode of Night Court. It always goes back to Night Court. Second reference Damn right tonight. it do. Very nice. Tim, right it do. And playing the character of Smitty is a guy by the name of Mark Silver, who is in future installment Stir Crazy, the TV series. And also, nice. he was he played a guest star, Mike, in the famous Teddy Z. Ooh, oh, Teddy. now that's another installment. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. With John Cryer and Alex yes. Rocco. With John Cryer and Alex Rocco. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Whenever we eventually do the famous Teddy Z, that's going to be a good episode. Oh, yeah, that's going to be really good. Not as good as this episode, but good. But good. Yes. Episode six. Oh, oh God. So dar. And yet so far. Oh, boy. Oh, dear God. Elle's friend, Eddie's closest friend, is Donald the Dolphin, with whom he can communicate using electronics. But when Donald produces a picture of a skeleton and two flamingos deep underwater, things get very dangerous for them both. And I would trust what the dolphin says, because if you remember from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, dolphins are the second smartest creatures on this planet. In between humans on the bottom and those two mice-looking people at the top. Go back and read the book. Trust me on and playing the role of Eddie is Gary Frank, who I believe he was actually a longtime member of the Actors Studio. So, oh, he, he's got some cred up there. Okay, and also we've got playing the character of Sherry is Sandra Curry, who you would best know as playing the character of Linda in the Hangover trilogy. And Gary Frank is the uncle of Shannon Frank, who was a that woman from that thing. Okay. Next up, episode seven. Steer crazy. And this is going to sound... <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my God. I haven't... I... What the hell is this? Oh my God. This yeah, th th this one's too goofy. Uh, this is straight out the National Enquirer, which, by the way, is what Brandon Tartikoff was going for. This, is, zi this is Zipper's territory, stupid. Uh, uh, okay, here we go. Are you ready for this? Okay. Uh, professional. <laughs> a meteor impacts a farm and radiates the cow's 
grazing there. All is well until they are converted into hamburgers and served unknowingly by Gloria to three senior citizens who developed superpowers. And then problems arise. Yeah. And the misfits have to both help them out and restrain them from injuring them with their newfound gifts. Oh, hey, Chico. Uh-huh. Playing the role of Bernie in this episode, Ray Walston. Oh, he's my favorite Martian. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And playing but... the role of Bessie. Yeah. June Allison. Oh. Yes! June Allison. I, I, and she would have been doing Depends commercials at this time. She, I'm well, sorry. <laughs> like, she, well, here's the thing. You eat radioactive hamburgers... You get back into life. Oh, yeah. Oh, and guys. <laughs> and guys. Playing the role of project manager. Dan Loria. Of the oh, Wonder, yes. Of the Wonder yes. Years, of course. Oh, the not, not the Wonder Years that's premiering this fall, but the Wonder the, Years. The, the OG the original. Wonder Years. Yeah. And, 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 the, and also, I, I'm sorry, I remember him from Sullivan and Son. Oh, yeah. Or oh, yes. Sullivan and uh-huh. Son. Classic. Yes. Uh, yep. And by the way, the third elderly person, Ada Rice Merlin. Okay. Known for two really big roles, at least I thought there were really big roles. Uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, is she the librarian in Ghostbusters? She is Lewis's neighbor. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay. And she also played the voice of Ordu in the too hip for the room, but I liked it, so yeah, The Black Cauldron. Oh yeah, which just got a recent Blu-ray release. But you have yep. to be subscribed to Disney Movie Club to get it, but I, I can find my ways to get it. Wink, wink. I'm gonna insult my friend Edward Bay. <laughs> this is what happens when you, like Greg, are a low-key Disney fan. Oh, I should also add two more things that Ray Walston was in. Uh-huh. Uh, how could we talk about Ray Walston and not bring up Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Well, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, of course. Mr. Hand. Pick, yeah. Picket Fences. Picket Fences, yes. Picket Fences. But my favorite Martian is by far what I know him from. But also, and this is a, a, a topic we talked about, I believe, back in January, he played Madeline's father on Oh Madeline. There's the second Oh Madeline reference this episode. Yeah, yeah but also because you weren't here for this, let's not bring up this character on the Paul Lynn show. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. There reasons. For reasons, of course. Reasons. Yes. All right. Next. Good thing. Week, good the- thing I was in the hospital at that time. Yeah, no. you would have been like, oh, you would have walked out. I, I, yeah, well, no, like, I really probably wouldn't have walked out. Oh, given yeah, you would. Yeah, situation. I'm sorry, oh, I bad choice of words. You really rolled that's... out. <laughs> Go ahead, everybody. <laughs> oh no. Okay, now thinking back to Mike's uh, theory. Theory. This is, if I'm looking at the production codes for this next episode, this is number eleven. Jennifer Holmes has a credit, but does not appear in this episode. So. Yeah. So my and theory the ep- works, kind of, sort of? Yeah, kind of, sort of, yeah. Okay. And it's called Bumble on the One. 
Is this oh. about Ernest Biner versus the Broncos back in 87? I don't think I can handle this it anymore. This is two years too early, Mike, so you don't have to worry. And also the wrong kind of football, if you think about it. Billy is reunited with an old friend from high school who, through Humanidine, enlists the help of a misfits in his top-secret mission. As the mission unfolds, as do the secrets and dangers of Billy's friend. You see, Brick Tyler, who is Billy's friend, is, are you ready for this? Yeah. A part biotic CIA agent who managed to lose the football. Oh, no. Uh-oh. 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 Yeah. Not an actual... Susan J. James, if you would, please. You see, when we talk about the football, we are talking about the presidential briefcase containing the launch codes. Uh-oh. Yeah. You, uh, you don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose that because then you'd be in a situation where you're in the day after. And then, oh, Madeline. Playing Brick Tyler is Dale Robinette, who is known less as an actor and more for his work as a photographer. Uh, Some of his works include Donnie Darko, The Help, Thank You for Smoking, La La Land, One Night in Miami, the 2017 Power Rangers movie, which I finally get to bring up on this show. So yeah, he does a lot of work behind the scenes nowadays. Playing the role of Swerfy Man, a horror movie legend, Sid Haig. Nice. Yeah, who unfortunately uh, passed away not that long ago, back in September of 2019. Well, also, there's another known entity, because playing Bill on this episode is Ty Gandrews. Nice. uh, From Mod Squad. Oh, and also, because we're going for multiple references to some of our favorite shows this week, he was on a week of Beat the Clock in 1979. Second reference to that show. We're getting all the mileage from this show. And stretch. Nice. Okay. The next episode, episode nine, Twin Engines. And I have an interesting bit of trivia about this episode, but first, here's what it's about. Johnny's mechanic friend Lonnie has been having visions and finds out he's a twin separated at birth to someone much more famous. When Dwayne goes missing, Lonnie takes his place and finds himself in serious danger. You see, Lonnie is a mechanic. His unknown twin, Dwayne, is a motorcycle racer. And now the Misfits have to help both of them out. And perhaps one of the uh, most notable entities from this episode isn't anyone on the cast. Although, I will say, playing both Dwayne and Lonnie is a guy by the name of Joel Paulus. But this was the very first writing credit for Tim Kring. Yes! who you would remember as the creator of A, Crossing Jordan, and also a show that is similar but legally distinct from Misfits of Science called Heroes. Yeah. 
even though they're both owned by the same company, there's still some weird legal reasons why. Hence why I said similar but legally distinct. Yeah, something like that. Oh, hold up. We have somebody playing an uncredited role in this. Ooh, do tell. Playing the role of Miss Speedway in an uncredited role is Brenda Strong, who you'd best know as the narrator on Desperate Housewives. But also, she played the broest wonder, Sue Ellen Mischke, on four episodes of Seinfeld. And also, guys, she was on future installment, Scorch. The one with the dragon? The one with Fran Lucas, yes. Oh, and guys, you're not going to believe this. You know who else was on Scorch? Who else was on Scorch? John O'Hurley! <laughs> <laughs> Second straight episode with the John O'Hurley reference. Yeah. Oh, you know what? For a show that does not last long, and particularly doesn't age well, this one really gets a lot of mileage tonight. Just Hey, wait, we've got even another celebrity, another definitely no entity. I know Ooh. Greg is going to mark out over this Ooh, one. Who is this? Play, playing Keith on this episode... Roy Firestone. Oh, that's Roy what? Firestone. And, and of course, hey, let's make another Married with Children reference. Let's go make two references to that show. He was interviewing Al Bundy on the episode Peggy Turns 300, where Peggy bowled a 300 bowling game. So there you go. I think we've had two references to like four or five of our favorite shows, and we're not even done with this. Oh, no, nope. we're not done. Seriously, I miss him. And the thing is, I don't know if you guys noticed this. They're bringing back up close, not with Roy Firestone, with Sage Steele. Uh, but that's all you know I'm going to say about Th- that. You know what? I like Sage Steele. No, I Let's don't. Do For other reasons. I'm indifferent. But uh, Okay. Next yeah. episode is Grand Theft Buddy. <laughs> Jesus. When a fellow scientist of Dr. Hayes takes a buddy from the test lab she broke into, the misfits are faced with a race against time to stop the outbreak of a deadly new plague from overtaking Los Angeles. And playing one of the uh, guys who gets sort of tangled in this is a lady by the name of Sarah, who is played by Robin Riker, who would be about a year or two away from playing one of the bartenders on Brothers on Showtime. But she was in Get a Life. Yes, with Chris Elliott and Bob Elliott. Yep. And Eleanor Donahue. How can we forget her? Oh, we can't forget about Eleanor Donahue. Eventually, we'll talk about Get a Life. Especially Handsome Boy oh, yeah. Modeling we, Oh, we gotta talk about that. We, we Handsome Boy that. Modeling Agency. Yes, Handsome Boy Modeling Agent. So, no. Now I got to go back and watch that series. Yep. But, but also, one uh, celebrity that's not listed, it isn't credited here, playing the bunny is not Benoodles because Benoodles is not a bunny. Yeah, that's right, Scott Rogowski. Benoodles is not a bunny. Episode 11 Grand Illusion. The Misfits agreed to help a former German spy reunite with his daughter, who he was separated from 25 years ago in Germany. To do it, they used their powers to stage a magic show for the athletes she came from the Soviet Union with. They call it Grand Illusion because I'm guessing a little bit of shrinking is involved. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah, you see what and, I and did. It's not, and it's not—it's magic-based, so it's not illusion. It's illusion. Yeah. Illusion. And the, okay. yeah, the gang takes the place of a magician hired to perform for the tour, thanks to a 
judicious use of superpowers, but the daughter refuses to leave without her father. Complicating matters further, the KGB minder Galenkov has sworn to make sure the scientist Nikolai never gets away. Now the misfits have to pull off an elaborate bait-and-switch to make sure both Nikolai and Tatiana manage to escape. Playing the role of Nikolai is James Lawrenson. Playing the role of Tatiana is Christy Hauser, since changed to Christy Mossman. But playing the role of Galenko. Oh, yes. Oh, the, oh, he's a legend. Oh, yes. This guy. This guy. John. Too many things to mention. Too many things to mention. Yes. John Shuck. Where to start with him? Oh, geez. Seriously. I think we need to mention the Munsters today. We, we, we have to mention the Munsters today. We have yeah. to mention Turnabout. Future installment, yes. Both future installments. Yeah. He plays Klingon ambassadors in two Star Trek movies. I'm guessing one of them is Star Trek Six. Oh, wait a minute! John yes! Shuck's the guy! The John Shuck is the guy in Star Trek Four who's doing that argument about Kirk. It's yep. that guy! Uh-huh. Uh, and he would return in Star Trek Enterprise as Antak. Again, he also has recurring roles in Zeke and Luther, Lord Order SBU. Hey, Chico. Uh-huh. Yeah. You want to make it three entries? What is it? He, he was Yo-Yo in Holmes and Yo-Yo. Oh, he was Yo-Yo nice. on Holmes and Yo-Yo! He was Yo-Yo on Holmes and yeah. Yo-Yo. Probably, I hope he was giving a rant about how Kirk, about all the Starfleet violations. Oh, that was outrageous. Plus also, he was a player on so many game shows. Too many to mention. Oh. We could do Crosswitz back in 86. He was on Pyramid, going back even to like 1973. Password Plus, oh my, All-Star Secrets. Uh, he was on The Week with Bill Cullen and Artie Johnson. Yeah, oh, that- he's been on everything, it seems. Oh, man. Yep. John Shuck, man. Legend. Legend. Legend, absolutely. Legendary. Legendary. He made a great case about Kirk. I'm convinced. <laughs> That's what he gets for killing Christopher Lloyd in Star Trek 3. Damn. Burn. Next is Once Upon a Night. Gloria's pen pal Jay, having stolen a bracelet, is the object of some unidentified assailants. In the following pursuit, Gloria gets kidnapped instead, Billy and Elle get arrested, and Jay manages to escape with Johnny. So it's up to Jay and Johnny to get the rest of the Misfits back, except for Jane, who is only credited in this episode, but never appears. I think she went off looking for the Iceman. I don't know. Oh, playing the role of diner waitress is Myra Turley, who would be best known for playing the character of Catherine Olsen on seven episodes of Mad Men. Nice. And Elaine Wilkes plays Jay, who is known primarily as Mary Lou Lassiter on seven episodes of Dallas in the 1987-88 season, but was also on future entry Hard Time on Planet Earth. So, there you go. Episode 13. Oh boy, I can't wait to talk about who's in episode 13. I almost wish Atherton was here to hear this. Center of Attention. 
The Misfits are pulled into the world of gambling once more when they uncover a plot by the manager of a basketball team to bet on his team to lose. Does no, this look work. like anything? Well, in 2021, it would be encouraged now. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Well, well Pete Rose wasn't for another couple of years. Okay. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? What? Say what? I didn't hear it. About Pete Rose. The people at Bowie Sports would disagree, Mike. L goes undercover as an incredibly talented basketball player, <laughs> which we've already established. He's terrible at basketball. No. <laughs> but he's tall. Hey, he's tall and... That is the only noticeable thing about him. Seriously, that is the only noticeable thing about him. He's tall. So you're saying that he's uh, Boban, like 35 years before Boban? Yes. Okay. He goes undercover as an incredibly talented basketball player. By the way, he is not. But Gloria has eyes on him, and you know what Gloria can do, so... Not that. (laughs) He's no Gloria is controlling his movements. Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah, remember she can move her. She has telekinesis, kind of similar to the radio waves of Otto's robot. Yes. Okay, but guys, are you ready? Are you ready for what I'm about to reveal to you guys? I don't know if I'm ready for this. Okay, bring it. Okay. Playing the role of Wendy. I hope you guys are sitting down for this. Twyla Littleton! Wait, are you talking about the lingerie customer from that one episode of Matlock? Yes, I am talking about the lingerie customer from that one episode of Matlock. (laughs) And hey, is this the second mention of this show, this episode, or the third? She was on the premiere week of Match Game Hollywood Squares. That's right. And she had 30... She had the 30. That's right. And she has 36s. Good night, everybody. Oh, Jesus, Mike. Okay. And uh, we have Wolf Perry, who is from the White Shadow, and Barry Saddles, who was in uh, Remington Steel and Airwolf, but not exactly in any sort of case of importance. Episode 14. Against all odds. When Billy attempts to break the world record for staying awake, he begins to have hallucinations concerning his past adventures. Yes, it's a clip show, sort of. He finds himself in an alternate reality where all of his friends have different personalities and different jobs. Was this dreamed by Bob Newhart, too? Probably. He had some bad Japanese. Sorry. He tells his co-workers... At a nuclear project of their counterparts in the dream, which, yes, was a club show. So, yeah. Th- that doesn't bode well after just 13, 14 episodes. No. 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 Episode 15, The Avenging Angel. Lovable loser Mort believes he can wrestle when Gloria helps him save an elderly couple from being attacked. Unfortunately, it's a mob-controlled protection racket, making things dangerous for both Mort and Gloria. Oh no. But hey, yep. pro wrestling episode. Where was Madeline Kahn and Dennis James to call the action of this? Am I right? Oh boy. Play or Susan rest- St. James. Uh, 
Uh-oh. 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 Playing the hapless wrestler is a man by the name of Vic Politzos, who is, uh, well, he's not known for much, is he? He's, he was the Undertaker in the superhero movie. He played recurring characters in Jericho and Boston Legal, and I'd like to connect him to a show that we have done beforehand. I'd like to, but no. I can't. All right. Let's get into the final episode. This is the episode that you had to wait until May to see. And it is called Three Days of the Blunder. Billy Hayes is arrested on suspicion of treason when he's found holding a blunder that contains a top-secret defense computer chip. What? And Stetmeyer is targeted by the feds as well. Yeah, because he's going to be harboring an alien in a couple of months. Yep. And one of the known entities of this episode is Julius Carey, who plays Odor Williams. Of course, if you are a fan of The Last Dragon, you know him better as Shonuff, the Shogun of Harlem. Oh, yeah. That's right. Well, one other name that had a very lengthy career played Ruth Hayes in this episode. Meg Wiley, Willie, W-Y-L-L-I-E. Willie Wiley, I'm sure it's up for debate. She had a very lengthy career, did a lot of stuff uh, up until the 90s. Isn't with us, uh, hasn't been with us for about 20 years. But one thing that she appeared in, hey, I think this is the third reference to this show tonight. She was in three episodes of Night Court. Oh, yeah. Playing three different characters. Yes. And also, in 1990, uh, when she was on two episodes of Night Court, Greg, she was on your your secondary wings. She was on Dear John. Oh, yeah, Dear John. And she played in an episode of Future Entry, Nothing in Common. That's right. Hey, two connections to people who are in the return of the Shaggy Dog. Am I right? Yes. But yeah, sadly, no longer with us. And hasn't been with us for quite a while now. Yeah. So, why did this show eventually get canceled? Well, for one, it was really good Friday night. Turn your TV on and Turn your brain off television. But it aired Friday night at 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock Central. You know what else aired at 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock Central? Oh, no. I think I know what you're going to say. Let me guess. Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. And in mid-season, they moved it up an hour. They swapped time slots with Knight Rider. But by that time, damage was already done. Ugh. Yep. Yeah, and, that and... slot was killer from Manimal. That's the same slot Friday at 9. Yep. And by the end of February, sadly, the misfits of science were no more. But the uh, show ultimately did get a DVD release in Germany. Oh, yeah. And France. And France. But nothing in the U.S. However, if you do want to see all of the episodes, 
They are on the YouTubes. All 16 episodes are on the YouTubes. So. Yeah. Even though the aspect ratio is screwed up because the tops and bottoms are chopped off or are cropped out in order to, to make it like a 16 by 9 widescreen view. So they're yeah. there, but you got to suffer through small that. Small price to pay. Small yeah. price to pay. Hey. Uh, and, sp- and speaking of YouTube, speaking of YouTube, you know who has a really good sort of vignette on this show? Who? Dan Larson of Toy Galaxy. Okay, yeah, that guy. I know about him. Yeah, he did an episode on Misfits of Science, despite the show not having toys or galaxies. Wow. Well, I'll say this. Shaft Factory, Mill Creek, please put this series on DVD here in the U.S. It needs a proper Region 1 release, just saying. Yeah, and you know what? If the powers that be want to reboot the show as well. Oh, on Peacock? I'd be de- on all Peacock, for it. Peacock, I wouldn't be opposed either. Although, I will tell you, because of the untimely deaths of... Uh, oh, you Greek, can just straight up reboot the concept. Yeah. There you go. But, yeah. Misfits of Science. With superheroes you love to root for. And superheroes who don't call themselves superheroes, but we call them a thing on TV. That's right. But before we go any further, let me get my artist hat on. I don't have my artist hat with me. Oh, you don't? But that's okay. What are you doing here? uh, It's time for me to break into my poetry mode. Oh, are we doing Haiku Corner? Oh, this we is his first haiku. one. This is his oh, first here one. we go. My, this is my first haiku quarter. All right, let's play the music. Oh my God, it's so great, Chica, that you finally did haiku quarter, and now we got the music playing for you. I gotta say, don't you love this music? It's about damn time. It's about damn time, and I'm just so proud. Okay, I'm sure you got something really good planned for us. Okay, so take it away. Here we go. Misfits of Science. Courtney's Super Friends. Billy, Jane, and Shrinking Owl. Best unis ever. Misfits of Science. What? What's with the snaps? Have you never been to never a, been a to poetry a, slam? You've never been to a poetry slam before? Um, no. He's not as cultured as us, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. All right, so I said best unis ever, right? What if I told you you could own the unis? Oh, I think I need to get some music ready. What? Are you ready for this? It's sexy sax time. Oh. Metropolis Tees, you have uh, a Misfits of Science short sleeve t-shirt. This is one of those print-on-demand sort of dealies. It is 100% cotton. It's available in anywhere from small to 3X, so we can all wear it. All we need is some matching hoodies and some acid wash jeans, 
that's the Halloween show for uh, next year. Hold on, Chico. You said this was 100% cotton? Yes. Does the seller also sell a shirt that says Homer is a dope? I don't know, probably. <laughs> because it has the fine stitching on dope. Mike knows what I'm talking about, right? Uh-huh. Arch, how could you? These shirts are 100% cotton. And look at the fine stitching on dope. I'll take two. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Homer is a dope. <laughs> I, I, I don't... I... <laughs> so, now I want to take a look at this. That is in the Episex Files crossover episode. Oh, God. Okay, you know what? I'll take a look at this later. But, uh, yeah, it's they're available at Retropolis Tees. Whatever that is. Whatever that is. But let's just say I were to buy three triple X's for the three of us. Okay. How much would that combined be? How much combined would that be? Okay. Okay, Chico is not a 3X. I'm a 2X, but I like the extra room. All right, all right. So we're buying three shirts, one for each of us. One for each of us. But you're going to have to supply your own hoodie, and you're going to have to supply your own acid wash jeans. May I ask a question? Yes. May I ask a question? Yes. Are we paying more because it's a big shirt? Is it like an extra two or three dollars because it's a three XL versus a regular size shirt? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. That, that, that comes into play. Okay. Who's going first? I, I'll give my I'll bid. I think first, I have. Mike. You're talking. Okay. You. Okay. Um. So for three of them, three three XL shirts. Okay, let me see here. I'm just doing some quick math in my head. Um, okay, that, that, that's a fair price. So, okay, let me... <laughs> math is hard when you do it in your head. Uh, and, uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's, oh, let's go $83.97. Uh, Greg, I'm gonna go eighty-eight dollars and ninety-seven cents. Gonna give him five dollars wiggle room here. Okay, but there's one problem, and that's your bid isn't a multiple of three. But never mind. It is a multiple of three. Eighty-eight ninety-seven. Yes. No. No, it's not. It's yes, not a it is. Of three. Okay, hold on. Uh, why are you arguing with a math teacher? Seriously, oh, I need that money on the clock. Whatever, I gave you five dollars. Okay, room. okay. Whatever. You know what? I'll I'll just end this right now because you're both over. Oh, okay. Good. Oh well, well, damn it. <laughs> okay, let me. It's at eighty three ninety seven. You're lower than uh, Let's. Yeah, I'm gonna knock it down to seventy seven ninety seven. There's a method to my madness with seventy seven ninety seven. Seventy-seven, ninety-seven. Okay, I will go. Man, this is taking me. I will go. What'd you say your bid was, Mike? Seventy-seven, ninety-seven. Okay, I'll just one penny. Seventy-seven dollars and ninety-eight cents. You're still over. Jesus. Okay. All right, seventy-one, ninety-seven. Okay, let me just say it. One penny. 
You should go three pennies because there's three shirts. <sighs> Whatever. Three pennies. <laughs> okay, the actual total that I paid, theoretically, because I haven't bought them yet. No. This but I was... might. I don't know. Sixty-eight ninety-seven. Yes. Oh, I was I was one dollar off per shirt. Oh, you were, yeah. You were thinking here. You need to be thinking here. You see. I was oh. thinking like, like they were going to be like twenty-seven ninety-nine or something. Well, well, that's why I originally started at twenty-four ninety-nine, then knocked it down to twenty-two ninety-nine, and, and I figured it was like three dollars extra for the the three XL. So I, I think if I brought it down to what would that be like? Nineteen ninety nine plus the nine dollars I would have had it. Yeah. Nineteen ninety nine times three would have been fifty nine ninety seven plus the nine dollars would have been sixty eight. So I, I was literally like a dollar off on my third bid. Yeah. Andy, yeah. I hope you're happy. Yeah, and Andy, I don't know if you have one, but your shirt's in the mail as well. Yeah. So that's what we have. And like I said, uh, Dan Larson over at Toy Galaxy does a really good bit on Misfits of Science, so you can take a look at that. And while you're there, why don't you uh, look us up on YouTube, where you can like and subscribe, and while you're here, go on and hit that bell for me. So you can stay up to date on future entries, which, by the way, they will all be on our website, It Was a Thing on TV. Dot com, as is links to all of our socials where we are at It Was a Thing on TV, and links to our friends at the Place to Be Nation. Speaking of Andy Atherton, oh yeah, okay, we got two drops in the past week. We had episodes one sixty seven, one sixty eight. Two of our best recent episodes. Now you see it, and Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> Perhaps two of our best episodes ever. Yes. Oh, and Thunder in Paradise was definitely one of our best. Yes. Oh, uh, two words. Jizzle drizzle. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. And not only that, but we do have a separate episode in the past week for live shows five and six covering the season premiere of Pressure Luck on ABC and the sneak preak of The Cube, which I think at this point, as this is airing either here or on Play Speed Asian Pop, uh, the series would have just started on TBS. No, it starts Thursday, so you can watch the. Wait, wait what day on Thursday? June tenth. What Thursday, day on June Thursday? 10th. Okay, June tenth. But it's I mean, okay. Well, when this airs, it'll be it'll have already started on Place Venetian Pub if it's on the Wednesday drop. Yes. So it's already started if you're listening there. There you go. Dang time. Not that anything I just said matters, because usually in the Place to Be Nation drops, I always edit out the plugs in the first episode of the week. So that part is completely meaningless. But as we all know... Time travel's hard. Well, time is also a wibbly-wobbly ball of stuff. It is. You know what else is a wibbly-wobbly ball of stuff? Oh, would that be a pinball? That would be a pinball. Although it's not wibbly-wobbly at all. It's rather solid. And yeah. also rather solid is all the stuff that was actually made into a pinball table. And we'll go over our, all of our favorites next time on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Wow!
What do you think? They didn't get it. Good night, bunnies. But Noodles is not a bunny.